1: chapter tactics this is your 40k podcast that focuses on playing warmer 40k competitively at all levels of the game i'm your host mr pd pob and with me i have sean the best morgan hey and Scary, the best archon
2: hello all minions
1: and brandon the best grant
0: oh thank you bob well good to be here
1: mm. and uh brandon what kind of grant are you I don't you, uh, know
0: what those. that means. Is, is there a loan?
1: A student loan? A federal grant? If you're the best kind, what is the best grant? The name grant. Ah, fair enough. Movie All Star right. Grant. Movie Star Grant. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. That is a grant that is a money given to you to become a movie star. That is what a Movie Star Grant is.
3: I need to find out what program is running for that. Use <laughs> a little bit of that.
1: <clears throat> uh, anyways, today's episode, we're going to be talking about our personal futures in the itc Uh, meaning we're going to reflect a little bit about the 2019 season things that we did that we liked things that we wanted to improve on and also we're going to talk about the 2020 itc season and what we would like to do and what our goals for the season are now i know a lot of you are wondering or contemplating what you're going to do for this season every year i love Putting out an episode where everyone talks about what they're going to do for the future of the itc for for that season and then we all kind of reflect on what we want to do and it's, it's always very cool it's a it's a very nice community driven episode and so that is what we're going to be doing today but before we jump into the episode as always go to frontlinegaming.org where you can buy all your tabletop goodies also if you're interested in supporting the podcast go to patreon.com slash chapter tactics where patrons get to uh, potentially win a cool monthly prize. This monthly prize has yet to be determined, though I think it's going to be that really sweet Custodes and Sisters of Silence character, the uh, Talons of the Emperor characters. I think that's probably going to be the giveaway for this month. So uh, sign up for that. You can also Ask questions at the end of every at the end of episode. We do answer them live. You can also head over to our Discord and Facebook group where you can talk to Brandon, Val, Peter, Sean, and Scary personally, and ask all the list advice that you want. So you can go three and three at your local RTT. Excuse me, GP. All right. Cold. Well, Cold. Our, our RTTs Cold. aren't aren't uh, six rounds, so you can't go three and three at all. I guess you could go three and three in an RTT, just like. Get six of your buddies together and play six rounds in one day.
3: Yeah, it's possible.
2: <laughs> you could do an Iron Man event if you wanted to. Yeah, that's Those true. are fun.
1: It's an RTT. But when you anyways. say Iron
3: Man, do you mean the old-fashioned Iron Man when, when a model is destroyed, it is destroyed? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, damn. I meant like playing
2: a, a bunch of games in a row until you pass out because you're exhausted. <laughs>
3: I just All thought that right. was called a tournament. <laughs>
1: That's true. That's, that's very true. All right. So, uh, today's episode, uh, I'm going to start off with a bit of an analogy. Uh, so, I was at the Las Vegas Open, and so many people were asking me, well, what do you want to do for 2020? Are you going to go to a bunch of tournaments? Are you going to do this and that? And I realized that I, I have not been playing a lot of 40K lately. I've, I've, just, I've been very out of touch with the game, and I would love to jump back into it. And I was going through all of the kind of normal stereotypical questions that I see online. You know, that I'm going to attend more tournaments. So I'm going to try and go three and three. I'm going to get six ITC scores. Not that those goals are bad. Uh, they're just the the most common goals that I see online uh, that people like to do. And I, I realized that I care less about winning and the accolades of playing 40k and more about how much... Uh, what I can do to contribute to the progression of competitive 40k. And so for this season, that's primarily going to be my focus. And I'm, I'm going to let Scary and Sean and Brandon talk a little bit about that, but uh, that that's going to be kind of my driving force towards uh, my 2020 season, what my overarching goal is. I'll explain that later, uh, but I just wanted to start the podcast off with that to give you all feelers for uh, what you're, what you want to talk about. So starting with, Brandon, two thousand the 2019 season was very much, I felt, uh, very much a, a quiet year for you. Compared to other years, uh, you hadn't won as much. You'd still won, you'd still done very well, and you were still very present. However, it was also a busy non-40K for year for you, too. So, do you see 2020 being a ramp-up, a, a return of sorts of the Brandon Grant, maybe a push for winning the Las Vegas Open? And, and maybe going for a repeat of the ITC Championship, or uh, what do you see compared from 2019 to 2020?
0: So 2020 was a all-the-stars-align kind of year. So when 2020 started out, I was a little lost on what kind of list to run. And um, in 2019's LVO, or 2018's LVO, um... I brought a Dark Angels and Blood Angels list with a fortification that was wildly experimental because I wasn't really even sure Guard were still competitive at that point. And I didn't like how the list performed. There were... Let's just call it some stylistical preferences that didn't suit me. And I ended up experimenting a lot with Pure Guard after that. And then the Castellan came along, and I stubbornly stuck with Pure Guard, and then played it once, and that was kind of like, oh, This isn't going to work at all. Um, The Castellan was just that much of a meta changer. So I ended up leaning into the Castellan and still basically taking a guard army, but instead of Layman Russ, I was taking a Castellan. And that's how I ended up going on the road to winning LVO 2019, is I had an army I was very familiar with, plus one model, that ended up being extremely powerful in the meta. So... You combine years of experience with an army with, hey, this army is really good right now. And that's the recipe of, hey, Brandon wins like four events plus LVO in one year. Um, in 2019 to 2020, um, I ended up playing Pure Guard for the entire year. And one of my goals was to try and win best Astra Militarum. And I did end up winning that. Um, so that was pretty cool. So now I've got... Two years in a row is best As to more term, which is pretty great. Um, but the cost of that is that I didn't follow the meta as aggressively. If I had been, then the instant the Space Marine book dropped, I would have had an Iron Hands army. And um, I don't know. It, the, the thing for me, though, was that I got the sense that, number one, there were going to be huge rules changes at some point for this army. And number two stylistically space marines are cool but the style of space marines that worked really well i wasn't really interested in um and i didn't feel like taking them on as a hobby project they just didn't have that emotional appeal to me so for this year um my goal is to actually start collecting a sisters army and i've started assembling and painting some sisters which is great and they're kind of going to be this On the side thing where I might play with some locals but not really bring them to events and just experiment with them because stylistically they really appeal to me Uh, the way they play on the tabletop is basically a a shotgun blast (laughs) to the face um, because they try and get up really close to you and then just completely unleash on you um, either in melee or shooting or both Um, so it's definitely stylistically a list that appeals to me and also in the sense of it doesn't build a Death Star very well so I don't like when 40k moves into a Death Star direction I never have Um, and I'm trying to stay away from that for as long as I possibly can until we inevitably slide back into 7th edition and I'm running a Bark Bark Star again (laughs) but for as long as I can stay away from that the better and then finally I do want to keep getting better at guard and I've been experimenting with the new Psychic Awakening rules and they're really fun and they've changed the way guard can play. So that was welcome, because I do want to go in August to the now WTC and uh, play the best damn guard that I can and show the world what the United States has to offer 40K. And finally, if we're not talking about hobbies, you can come back to me later. I have more.
1: (laughs) Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, uh, real quick, in regards to the WTC and preparing for that, I, I know that is something that you're, you're very excited to do, and I'm also very excited to see what how it all unfolds. And now, Scary's part of the Canadian team. Actually, Scary, are you still on the Canadian team? You should be.
2: <laughs> I am indeed. I'm the okay. assistant captain. You're
1: the assistant. You're the assistant to the assistant captain. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> assistant to the captain. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but uh, so uh, with the impending. April FAQ. You all know how much, how hard it is to plan ahead competitively in 40k and to meta chase because of GW's release schedule and their tendency to kind of uproot the meta, uh, which is why I didn't want to focus on just meta predictions for this episode, but more specifically the overarching theme of, of 40k and, and camaraderie and competitiveness. So for those people who are looking to, uh, push and get do well this season but are worried about the space marine faq what, what is some advice you would give them and then this is open to anyone can answer this is just a question i think a lot of people have on their mind
2: i guess i'll go first here there, Pablo.
1: Hmm.
2: um one of the biggest pieces of advice i will always say is don't change what you want to play with too much you know especially when change is going to be coming soon try and stick with something for as long as possible and make minor tweaks to it based on personal experience and you will get better over time eventually and it depends on what faction you're playing with of course but space marines, like if you're worried about space marines, remember that big nasty things have come and gone in the history of the game and you know soon iron hand provides the dreadnought list will be in the history books as another you know double lash spam or Double Lash of Submission or you know, crazy Paladin star bomb that, that um, made all the wounds go on different models and was really annoying. So just take a deep breath and play your game and try play something that you have fun with so that uh, you don't get disheartened, really. Mm. Good advice.
0: Yeah, and following back to what I was saying earlier, um, if the army appeals to you emotionally, just from the way it looks and the way it plays on the table, there's a far better chance you're going to stick with that army in the long run and have fun with it. If it's a flavor of the month list, but it goes against everything that you want to do on the table, then that's a recipe for having a bad time.
1: Hmm. <clears throat> okay, so Scary, yeah, that we're on you. You're you're going. You're the assistant to the captain on the WTC team, and. You obviously you have that in your mind you also have uh, you've been growing your channel a lot which is so cool i'd love to see you grow Scardcast, and you are very much a fixture in the community now so what are some what are your plans for the itcc 2020 season not just from a competitor standpoint but also from a content producer standpoint what are some things that maybe are different from 2019 and your own growth as a content producer that you want to improve on
2: so it's crazy to have so many moving parts all at once. And um, so, yes, you have to sort of compartmentalize those goals. Uh, personally, in terms of uh, gaming in the ITC, I've been um, second best Drukhari player two years in a row right now. And this year, I didn't go to LVO, which sort of solidified that, but I missed out for top drukari by, I want to say, like 0.8 of a point or something like that like it was it was almost nothing so um or point like it was decimal points worth so this year definitely want to try get that top drukari player and that does mean that a lot of the times you know i'm i'm making that sacrifice personally to get like points than to go and make the like nastiest craziest metalist but i think that that is like a personal goal that i really kind of just want to achieve um and you guys can come try get it from me so i'm just saying everybody out there and, um, and, uh, from like a content producer, um, goal, I, you know, working with the art of war team has been super, super fun with Nick Natavati and Richard Seeler and the whole, the whole art of war brand and team in, uh, helping build a, a, a very strong competitive 40 K community around the brand and also helping players build better lists and coaching different people into like playing competitively. I think that aspect, like watching people grow and develop, has definitely been one of the, like my favorite goals, uh, just in terms of content production and creating, you know, things that help people get better, like a systematic way to improve your game, where it's like steps instead of just being like an esoteric wish fest, but being able to break down elements that kind of make you better at the game in general. So that's been super fun, and last but not least, as a gamer dad. Um, mm. It's been really cool to have my son. He's going to be turning eight soon, kind of getting him more into the hobby. He's currently, like, doing a bunch of Sylvaneth stuff. But I want to be, I'm going to be filming a series on, like, you know, like, just, like, Age of Sigma Battle Reports and other stuff that's with my kid to be, like, gamer dad, like, hangouts or whatever. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of doing, like, a more family-based stuff like that as well that kind of supplements the hard competitive stuff with hey we all live our lives and we all have like you know families that are growing and how do you get your kid into it and you know what do you play and things like that so so just kind of branching out in that whole like wholesome hobby family fun thing
1: do you do you think you're do you think you have any or do your son have any goals for the year or do you have any goals for your son as a dad who's nurturing their offspring into this hobby
2: yeah, the biggest thing I'm trying to just teach him is is kind of finishing. Like it's the hardest thing is finishing something that he starts, <laughs> and that's like the hardest thing because he's like, "Ooh, I want this and I want that." I'm like, "Great, awesome." you know, we can definitely get you the big lady on on a on a beetle that you really like from the Sylvanath range or it's good taste. Um, so, but, you know, we have to finish your dryads before you can. So it's kind of encouraged him to be like, hey, dad, let's go downstairs and paint dryads or whatever. So, you know, just kind of focusing him on not getting too crazy and like buying a bunch of stuff and then just being, just like following his lead really and letting him be the one that asks to do stuff and me just kind of being that facilitator. I think that's been really fun. But, uh, but filming it and kind of showcasing it to the, to, to the world or having sit-in paints or whatever on Twitch with my kid, that's going to be like a goal as he gets more comfortable with
1: it. Nice. 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 And uh, real quick, I, just because I have uh, a burning question. Age of Sigmar, was that, was that what he picked or was that kind of like where you let him? Uh, well, I was like, what would you like? And he was like, I want a dragon.
2: And so I got him <laughs> a high elf dragon. And then that was like the first thing we built and painted. And that's kind of led to, you know, a Sylvaneth tree man and a bunch of dryads, and now some old wood elf archers. And he wants like, yeah, so he, he enjoys the, and the system itself is really easy for kids to learn because everything's just on the, on the card. Right. So there's no like strength versus toughness. It's just, what do you need to hit? What do you need to wound? Like, it's just very, very simple. So he picks it up very quickly and all the rules are on card. So he can just read what it does and it's and he's he's just found it very quick to pick up and play with. Nice. Anyway, this is a 40k competitive podcast.
1: Get excited, <laughs> folks. We are looking at the future Age of sigmar <laughs> ITC champion in the making. Okay, so I would say that this is groundbreaking competitive 40k history, competitive Warhammer history.
2: How to transition from one thing to another. No, it's but all in all, I'm really excited for 20 20 and i will be at lvo 2021 and my big goal is to go to nova to go to a um a big tournament in spain i'm looking to go to one of their big team events and make like a crack team of of players to go to the one of their big team events in in october november and uh and just make a splash overseas at the wtc as well go canada
1: Ooh, beautiful and then, so one final thing and this is an open question to the three of you it, obviously the tournaments have been expanding we have you know tournaments all over the world now popping up everywhere if you had to magically sprout uh, a major a 40k major and go to the event anywhere in the world where would it be uh, all of you i want all of you to answer this question just in general anyone brandon you know
0: well, my personal preference would always be for one that I could drive to within twenty minutes.
1: <laughs> Anywhere yeah. in the world, Antarctica, and Brandon chooses the Starbucks behind his house.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I not can't. I can't drive to Antarctica, but I can. I can drive right over to the town right next to me and go to something there, and. I think for most people they do so- certainly don't feel like there is an excess number of majors in their area. So
1: that's a that's another really interesting point that uh it's a, it, a show topic because reason I talk all the time about the how to start a major and just just by being around frontline uh, you know looking at like what it takes to start a super major, or start a convention essentially and it, there's a lot to it. However, I think I think uh, you really just need a, you need someone dedicated to put the time into just putting it all together and administrating it. Everything else actually just falls in place as long as you find the one person who who actually decides they want to do it. So if you ever if you ever curious or if you ever if you know someone in your community, your local community who who's capable of, of administrating a major, uh, you know maybe uh, give them a hug, buy them some Starbucks, help them out. And uh, maybe a major will come to your area. So, and that's a common question too, as well, uh, is that more people want more majors in their area.
2: I would go to New Zealand. I think I'd really <laughs> Thank like you, to go down to you know a, a major in New Zealand. Why? Because it's definitely something I could convince the wife to do because she loves mm-hmm. going to New Zealand.
1: <laughs> Thank you for humoring me, Scary. I would actually <laughs> love to. I would love to see a, a tournament in Mexico. Uh, there, there are. I've got a lot of family in Mexico and. I've seen a lot of tournaments pop up all over the world. However, I've only heard of one 40 k tournament in Mexico that, that has popped up that I've personally had people reach out to me about, or I've seen. And so it's just, it's such a large community. And I guess there's like a thriving 40 K community in Mexico. Uh, Hmm. However, I don't know anything about it. And I I would like to see maybe like an ITC major pop up uh, one that opens the door to, the community there and the leaders there with, so that I can talk to them, maybe get them on the podcast and expand there too. Cause it's, it's right next door and we have such a thriving 40k Canadian scene. Uh, you know, like Mexico, if we had a thriving 40k Mexican scene too. Oh, it's thriving. Like North they, oh the, yeah, it exists. Some there. of the,
2: some of the best competitive gamers I know play in Mexico because they play some crazy like competitive 40k and they come up with like some nuts mm. list ideas
1: that's why you left um, huh? couldn't, couldn't uh, that's what i brought to canada eh? oh but, fair um, enough <laughs> but right. yes i agree right on all right finally sean saved the best for last uh <laughs> now your your uh takes on G.W.'s decisions and the direction of 40K is actually well documented, and actually, it's one of the things I really love about having you on the podcast is that you don't shy away from negative opinions, you don't shy away from speaking your mind on things, uh, and I find I usually, I personally find it really refreshing. But I also think it's important to keep around. I, I think it's important for people to look at things when things are going bad and say, "Hey, this is not going well. I don't like this. Let's fix this," or or whatever. And so, having said that where do you stand right now with 40k in general where it is both competitively where the game is and then in 2019 and then how it how you see it progressing into 2020 uh, and then also of course what are some goals that you have do you plan on playing more 40k do you want to take a step back all that all the other good stuff
3: um in terms of where the game is at it's not the worst the game has ever been, um... For as bad as Space Marines are right now, uh, for anyone who played during the tail end of 7th edition, we've certainly seen much worse than this. Um, so there is a certain amount of optimism to kind of take out of that, in terms of, like, the game has survived worse than this. But that said, it did hurt the game a lot, and we lost a lot of players to 7th edition. So I don't think we should be too blasé about, like, oh, well, this is just the sort of thing that happens. It's like, well, I mean, it does happen, but it shouldn't happen. Um, This is the sort of thing we should try and steer around. Um, My hope is that GW will do something very soon to try and fix the space marine problem as we've talked about in the past i don't really know what that is um but something has to be done and i think there's more and more agreement on the player base on that front um on the flip side my fear is that they're not going to do enough like as with the castellan and some of the other things we've seen like Yanari and whatnot they're going to kind of slowly roll out a series of changes and the first couple of ways them are not going to be sufficient so I'm kind of expecting we're gonna see at least two to three more months of very strong space marines and then probably six more months of strong space marines um and to that end I've just kind of said like I don't I don't like playing armies that aren't towards the top of the list, and so I'm just going to play Space Marines. I don't like it, but that is what it is. Um, Because, you know, I certainly respect both Scarry and Brandon for sticking to their factions. Um, I think there's a lot of people who want to do that, and a lot of people who have the most fun that way. Um, But for me personally, I want to pay... The strongest competitive list I can reasonably manage, and I I feel like if I right now if I'm not playing Space Marines, I'm not doing that. Um, so I I've switched over to that for the time being. Um, now it's maybe not the best Space Marines, and I know I'm not the best Space Marine player out there, but uh, I still feel it's going to be give me a better option for the coming season, and I'm not expecting that the April, April FAQ is going to completely dethrone the army. So at that point, I have to be looking, you know, five to six months ahead of time uh, for all of the, like, summer round of tournaments and whatnot, and how I'm going to be interacting with all that.
1: Now, so... If for someone who who is in the same boat as you, for maybe they're they're making the decision to switch to Space Marines because they want to continue playing 40k, they want to continue going to tournaments, and Space Marines is just the best option. Um, yeah. What What do you think? <clears throat> uh, do you think that people can wait to make that decision after they FAQ, or do you think they should just make that decision now?
3: Um. I mean, you certainly could wait. There's a, a fairly solid argument for holding off on that decision, and it will probably depend a lot on what your personal resources are, what sort of dedication to your your hobby creation and all of that, uh, because it was for me in part that I could do a accounts as army using a bunch of my Chaos Space Marine stuff, um, that I could turn into a a reasonable reasonably good space marine army without having to do an enormous amount of work and not everyone else is necessarily in that position um so i think that's going to have a lot of factors involved but um if you are kind of like staring down the barrel of that gun and wondering okay what am i going to do for this coming season and what am i going to do for the next 6 to 8 months um, I, I think it pays to look at all of the potential options for what happens. I mean, mm-hmm. we could see no change at all. I don't think that's what we will see, but it's possible. Uh, We could see a minor tweak that is just going to sort of like downgrade things a little bit, but is not going to fundamentally change the fact that Space Marines are on top. Um, And we could also see a major rollback of things um, where Space Marines are hit so hard in so many key units that they are no longer the best list. Uh, I don't think that's very likely either, but it is possible. Um, so if you're looking at that, you have to consider all of those options and how each of those are going to affect you and what you do. Um, personally, I look at that and it's like, if space marines are unchanged, then my army is unchanged, obviously. Um, if space marines are toned down, I don't think anything they does They would do fundamentally changes the army I'm playing, so I am still in a reasonable position there, and I still have my Talon Eldar armies that I can always fall back on. Uh, That's a big part of why I like having a couple of different armies that I can play with, is you can always switch between things when things change. Um, And if they completely ruin Space Marines, and they are back in the garbage bin, and everyone hates them, and they're stupid and worthless... Um, then not only do I have my other armies to switch to, but the Space Marines that I am playing now, I can just go back to using them the way I was using them before, as Chaos Space Marines. Um, and I haven't spent, you know, $900 or $1,000 on an army that I didn't really like in the first place, and is no longer any good. Uh, and I think that's a an important thing to consider, is, like, if you're chasing the meta, and if you're sort of shifting your armies and preferences to deal with whatever's on the field um you have to be prepared for that army to to some degree or other, be invalidated mm. uh and be either ready to just accept that as like well i spent the money and now it's gone and i don't actually care or have another way to use the army that's going to still get you some enjoyment out of it
1: mm. and that and that actually goes to calls back to what Scary said too but the advice about yeah. uh picking army or, or brandon as well um Picking an army that you enjoy aesthetically. uh, Yeah, and
3: that is very important. Like, even when you are chasing the meta, I still feel like you should be trying to do something you enjoy with it. Uh, Because at the end of the game, that's the thing. That's why we're playing this game is we want to enjoy it. So don't just play the best army. Try and find a version of the best army that you enjoy building and painting and playing.
1: Yeah. Now, personally, uh, where, do you want it, where do you want your 2020 ITC season to go? What direction would you like to do? What are some personal goals for yourself?
3: I've been in a real downswing for almost a year and a half here. Um, I have not done particularly well at very many tournaments for quite a while. I would like to get back into that, although I don't know how really plausible that is but in an ideal world i start getting in more practice games and going back to tournaments and maybe like pull in a gt win or two um that would certainly make me feel a lot better about where i'm at at this point um whether or not that's actually going to happen i don't know but that's what i would like out of the season what i kind of want to try for
1: Hmm. okay and then how did uh Do you remember what place each of you, uh, do you remember what place you guys finished in the season?
3: Not um, even the top 20 for me. I don't think I was even top 100.
1: Going into
2: LVO, I was, I believe, top 50. And then since I didn't go to LVO, I just didn't get that mega score. So I'm not exactly sure where I finished up.
1: Hmm. Well,. It, so I was looking through the ITC rankings a couple days ago. Uh, I did not finish very well at all, uh, as expected. Uh, even though I, I did, I think I did play my full six six games. Uh, even in even if you, I hit like the top five hundred. Like even the top one thousand is is players who I would call players who tournament seasoned players who the ones I see regularly, and so. There's a lot of names to recognize, even in the top 1,000. Uh, and so that's a good, a top 500 and even top 100 um, is a, actually a good achievable goal. So for those of you who are listening and uh, kind of wondering what kind of ITC season in the goal uh, to set for yourself, the most common ones I see are uh, best in faction, which, which is good, but it's also very, very competitive now. The, it's. i would even argue it's more prestigious in a lot of ways than everything but the big itc 40k championship uh the the itc champion with the big check uh, a lot of people care more about their best in factions it's it's a, a much more obtainable reasonable goal to people however it's very 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 difficult you're still only only you know 25 or 30 plus plus people can win a best in faction award itc best in faction award compared to you know eighteen thousand people in itc right so it's still a big deal Uh, i think a top 100 even top 500 uh goal is something that everyone should shoot for if you want to improve and it's it's kind of a good barometer Uh, what what do you guys think
3: yeah i think think... oh god yeah go ahead.
2: go ahead uh I will take this time to talk. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I think that that the you know going for a best in faction as a goal is definitely something that's very attainable for a lot more people. And uh, you know, I know a lot of people that go for some of the more obscure factions, you know, just knowing the, that there won't be as many people that kind of go for it. It also rewards someone who is very passionate about faction and might not necessarily be the most competitive faction. At the time of the meta but uh, there is something that you want to sort of showcase your skill set with. You know, if you feel like you're the best space wolf player, and space wolves have been, you know, the the lowest of the low all, all for you know a couple of years, but you're like, hey, out of out of all the space wolf players, I am the best space wolf player, and it just gives you that sort of outlet to really sort of measure yourself against people who are as dedicated as you are, and I I think that's that's really awesome, and within. The faction specifics as well. You have like factions that are very focused, like Drukari or Hazriani, But then you have the the soup factions, which in and of themselves are probably a little bit more competitive, mm-hmm. as it allows people to sort of mix and match. So the Eldari faction is definitely more contested than this just the straight Drukari faction.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat>
3: Yeah, and I think Scary has a very good point in that um, playing for best in faction allows you to kind of aim for the best of both worlds, where you can try and be competitive and play your best and bring a strong list and improve yourself as a player, but you can do so within a sort of bounded field uh, where you are able to kind of say, like, I, I might not win this tournament, but if I get 7th place, that's going to actually give me a lot of points towards my best in faction and maybe push me to the top. Um, so it, it can help you keep your passion for the hobby and for a particular faction if you really are locked onto one of those um, while still allowing you to play competitively. And I think that's something that a lot of people do enjoy.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brandon, do you have any more input to add to that?
0: Well, you guys already know that my focus is on playing armies that I like first, generally, and then focusing on competitive second. So it's kind of a coincidence about LVO. But um, it is really important that there's something that keeps you playing the game. And I would definitely prioritize keeping your uh, interest in the hobby high over trying to follow the flavor of the month.
1: Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and that's actually another reason why I love uh, talk, you know, talking about future goals is it does give people chances to stay in the game. You know, um, people are more likely or less likely to walk away from 40k if they are planning to go to Nova with their buddies or, you know, uh, get a specific accolade that they want that's achievable. So it's important to take a step back and look at what's uh, achievable for yourself and then lay out kind of a basic roadmap to how to achieve that. And so, uh, one final thing before we kind of move on to the little second back half of the topic on the podcast is uh, i want to talk about my own personal itc 2020 season goals a and they very much do and will affect the listeners uh because i want to focus more on community outreach and community effort across the entire competitive 40k community Uh, one thing that i absolutely loved about the las vegas open this year was everyone's ability to get together and create something special. Uh, I I am talking a lot about the the Ocho, (laughs) the Las Vegas Open (laughs) cast. There were multiple content creators who came in, asked questions, offered to help, uh, were interviewed, and were just generally a part of the the whole thing. And also many people reached out to me to collaborate on specific projects and other things. Some I can talk about, some have already fallen through because that is the nature of planning and uh, human nature. But what I realized was there's so much capacity for us to get together as a community and as community leaders to create some amazing things, whether it's a tournament in a new area or in a cool, cool new scene, Um, or a new country, or it's a program that everyone ends up using, or a tournament, a big super major convention that everyone can kind of rally around, as other than the Las Vegas Open, or the WTC you know, Fantasy 40k all these different things all these different innovations were created by people getting together for the love of the game, and doing something and uh, doing something for 40k and for their peers and so i want to focus on that i want to focus on how i can expand the frontline gaming network personally i definitely want to start a new podcast somehow i don't know if it's going to be 40k <laughs> focused which which i know this is a competitive 40k podcast um but this is kind of like a future plug uh <laughs> i i don't know yet I, I would like to start another podcast sometime and also expand in some of the Frontline Gaming Network work. I know John Damaris is doing a great job, and he also just r- announced a new podcast, a 15-minute daily podcast as well, where he just talks about what was going on in competitive f- or in uh, 40K in general for the day, which is so cool that that kind of content is always great, for, in my opinion, great for the community. And so I kind of want to just put a little bit more into that. And then finally, I really love to travel to 40k tournaments with the ex- the reason not to play in them, but to improve them in some way. So if you're looking to if you're looking to have someone come to your event who has experience running a super major, running a convention style event, or uh, getting communities, large communities together to build around an event, uh, I'm I'm open to all emails frontlinegamingpdpop at gmail.com i would love to help people out as well and we can just talk about what your event is what you want to do but i definitely want to start traveling to more events specifically for that purpose and so that leads me to the 2020 season goal i would like to play at least a few tournaments playing at least a couple tournaments locally Uh, but overall i don't plan on being in like the top 1000 unfortunately so i'm sorry brandon I know you're a captain on (laughs) Relentless D by team, uh, but I, I want to step away from playing the game and focus more on creating a good tournament environment and just a good community for everyone. Uh, and I realized I don't have the time to do both. Uh, last year, I thought I did. However, that wasn't the case. I, I didn't have time to go to events and also help improve them or go to events and spend time with friends um, and also collaborate on things. And there were some things and some projects that uh, suffered because of it. So,
0: Well, that's just fine, Pablo, because I think this is a great time to mention that I think that for the purposes of this podcast and even in my local area, I'd really like to share more of what I know. And continue learning and getting better myself and sharing that with the community at large so even with my locals or with this podcast it would be great to start doing some technical discussions on for example a combined arms approach to 40k or very specific things about playing 40k at a very high level so that even if you don't have the time to win all the gts and lvo in one year um, you should be able to get better at 40k for having listed Listen to this podcast is one of my goals. So you're in luck.
1: Ooh, beautiful. Let's do it. Let's create something magical. Okay. On to the second part of the episode, uh, which is focused on the patrons. I-, I wanted to give the patrons an extra special shout-out. Normally, we ask questions at the end of every episode, or we answer questions at the end of every episode from the patrons. However, uh, a lot of the patrons reached out and just talked about their goals. And so if you're looking for some inspiration for your own personal 2020 ITC season goals, this will be kind of kind of your part of the podcast. Uh, these are all... People in varying stages of the hobby of the game of 40k, whether they want to, they're attending their first event, or they've never attended a competitive 40k event, all the way to wanting to win their faction and and being in a position to actually do that. So we're going to talk about their, we're going to answer their questions and also talk about their goals, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to help them out. And then also once again, if you're interested in stuff like this, being a patron, go to Patreon.com/slash Chapter Okay. So first off, we're going to talk with patron, talk about patron Nathaniel. He wants to go at least five hundred or better at Adepticon, and then the goals for the rest of the year are to go to one or more G tier major, and then getting first in an RTT. Uh, so this is very much uh, a a very not common, but it is a goal that people have. It's a very realistic goal. Nathan Nathaniel set himself up for a super major, going oh going over five hundred at Adepticon, which is a very very good goal to have uh, Adepticon is a big prestigious super major event and so going over 500, 4 and 2 5 and 1 or 6 and 0 at Adepticon is great. Uh, every time I go up to people and they're like oh I went 4 and 2 at Delvio," and I'm like dude you went you, you know, four and two. You had a positive win record at one of the large, the largest 40k event in the world. Uh, Adepticon is no exception to that. And then uh, going to one GT or major, I know that can be very difficult. However, they are prop. They're all sprouting up in more and more places, uh, all over. It's it's getting. There's more and more resources for TOS now than there ever were before to upgrade their made their events to GTS and majors. And there are more and more TOS getting into the game and trying to uh, grow their communities. And so going to one should be, I think it should be obtainable for most people in the ITC in uh, North America and Canada and uh, all over the world. Not so much. I know we're still working on that. Uh, oh, and I guess Europe as well. But um, anyways, and then getting first in an RTT, that's actually something I've never done. I've gotten first in a GT, but never in an RTT. Every time I get it new an RTT, I usually just end up losing one round or, or not taking it seriously, or just so I've never won an RTT. You have a bad uh, run-in with a Maliceptor. <laughs> the, that was that was actually a Decepticon. No, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. oh yeah, I'm every single fun time. At you. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I go in an RTT and there's just a Maliceptor like on the table <laughs> every single time. And it's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> as soon as you beat it, though, you can make it your sigil, Mandalorian style. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't yeah yeah that'd be kind of cool just have like a Mandalorian helmet a sigil the the So <laughs> anyways all right uh next uh, patron John Smith uh, is, their goal is to be a top Tyranid player and I'm imagining ITC and also the top Tyranid hobby track now th- that's actually something that is it's not new because it's always been an option that you could do is win ITC best overall or best hobby track and best General in the ITC, uh, be the ITC champion. However, it, it's something that that I'm seeing more and more uh, people try to do. Like uh, for example, Jim Vessel. Jim Vessel could have been our first double crown. Uh, we don't have a triple crown yet. Uh, a lot to horse horse racing. Uh, actually, I don't know. I don't. I don't horse race. The triple crown is horse racing, right? I know there's someone. I believe so. I know there's someone like like sitting on their horse track right now, listening to this podcast, like screaming at me. I like yeah anyway yeah it is cuz the, uh, <laughs> the Kentucky Derby is the Kentucky Derby is part anyways so uh, triple crown someone who wins the ITC championship uh the ITC hobby track and uh i don't know maybe AOS i don't know we don't have any super prestigious awards maybe we'll and have a faction third one, one. It'd be faction Oh, be and their faction one. one right or, Perfect. or winning you know L- yeah well, I don't know let us know in the comments down below uh, which one you think should be the triple crown we should we should just have a triple crown award separate. Anyways. But uh you know, being top being the top faction player already it's very, very difficult, very, very prestigious. And then being top tier in a hobby track as well, uh, that's super great. Uh you know, there's there was uh very, very few people who have ever managed that and it's always been uh something that kind of went by the wayside in terms of uh, what people talked about, which is definitely going to have to change this year. This year, I definitely want to focus more on recognizing when people do cool achievements like that, like the top tiered player at, and the top best painted tiered player as well, too. So that's super exciting. Patron Kelsey, uh, what were your goals for last season and how did you either accomplish it or work towards it? We did talk about that a little bit, although if anyone has anything else to add, uh, that is his question. Scary Brandon, Sean, were there any goals for last season, uh, that you accomplished. Um, and then how did you work towards them?
3: Um, well, well being
2: the first, like me personally, like I'll, I'll, I'll just jump in me personally, the, you know, being the first full year of me doing content creation full time, it was mainly about building a foundation to be able to like support my family and, and create content that people enjoyed and build a community. And I think, that was just putting my head down and making sure I was streaming every day and putting videos up every day and being online and being like, uh, being part of the community and going to events and making videos. And, and I feel that it was a lot of hard work. But that's kind of like with the progression of what I did, Um, you know, didn't hit every single goal. But I feel very satisfied with like everybody who i've met and all the like places i visited and all the things that i achieved and i'm looking forward to adding on to those goals for the future so that was just my journey
1: okay uh moving on to the rest of it so side note he's been he's in between going for best in faction and a less good faction (laughs) uh which is another funny one too we have uh do you have people like Death Watch was a very common one uh, to go for, you know, just because it was very difficult. Also, Officio Assassinorum. There's usually one or two people running around going for best inquisit, best Inquisition or best uh, Officio Assassinorum, which I think is no- not possible this year. I guess it is possible. You just have to yeah, play a bunch possible. of points, play a ton of points down. Um,
3: uh, are they changing the factions so that assassins and in, uh, Inquisition are no longer together?
1: You know that is a Reese question. Yeah, uh, the, I know he's been bombarded by that question a lot, and oh. uh, obviously a faction alignment realignment is probably in the works or, or needs to be in the works. Uh, but I don't know. That's not my department, Sean.
3: Sure. It. I, I feel like that was something that should have happened with the turnover of the the ITC seasons, rather than like you know, halfway through it, because I know that's occurred before and people have been pretty annoyed about the fact that, like, we change the rules for how factions work halfway through, so the guy who won two GTs earlier, as opposed to the guy who won two GTs later, gets the points.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I actually think that, so so on kind of a, a side note or change of subject, uh, I actually think a, a an off-season is something that I've always wanted to incorporate. Now there's there's out uh, there's very difficult decisions to an off-season uh, because anyone who like for example if you make the off-season all the entire month of February, uh, anyone who's established event in February would get affected. And this is by no means an official ITC announcement. So uh, <laughs> ladies you heard and gentlemen, it here, don't, folks, don't... the official <laughs>
3: ITC announcements.
1: Uh, yeah, but but um basically an off season of sorts or, or one where we tell everyone, Hey, look, there's, there might be some changes during this time. Uh, so, uh, any events you attend, maybe a grain of salt. And actually I think it'd be kind of interesting if we also had a super major during that off season event too, kind of like a fun one, like the, the official ITC testing, you know, tournament where everyone just goes and we play with a bunch of wacky rules and see what works. I don't know. <laughs> just, uh, just some ideas, just spitballing here. Um, Reese never listens to this show, so, it uh, will probably never get to him. And he's, he's like 10 steps from my office, so I'll probably won't talk to him about this ever again. However, let me know what you think in the comments down below about that. But, uh, moving on to, uh, Kelsey's comment, uh, Kelsey's been deciding about going for best in faction or a less good faction uh, because of travel cost and it being hard to win a mainstream faction, which which is fair. And, you know, he also doesn't live in the continental U.S., uh, so he wants to try to do the best he can. In your opinion, what do you think? What do you think? uh do you think it's just as prestigious to go for a regional faction or a regional thing, or um, do you think that that maybe that could? We could do a better job of focusing on that because that is an issue that people have. Is that if you want to go for best tyrannids, uh, you probably have to go to the LVO, uh, and same thing for multiple other main faction awards, uh, like Kelsey mentioned. But we do also have those regional awards, which uh, you know were created with the intent to give people something to strive for that uh, they could achieve without attending the LVO, or or they could achieve just in their own regional areas what are your kind of thoughts on on that do you think uh the ways to improve that or or just whatever uh brandon chung or brandon Sean and Scar, yeah
3: i don't think it has the same kind of prestige or notice at this point um it, partly just because i think there is uh a certain exhaustion when when you have 30-odd faction awards, and then the best ITC, and then the regionals, and then the regional faction, and then the hobby, and the hobby faction, and everything else, it's like, when you're looking at 100-plus awards just for the 40k side of things, I think at a certain point it starts losing its impact. Um... I mean it would be to draw that out to the sort of like slippery slope it's like what if there were 18,000 prizes it's like well, I won best in faction for my area who had a higher hobby score than anyone else who went to exactly seven tournaments mm-hmm. it's like okay that doesn't mean anything so there I think there's a certain amount where it can feel like there's just too much going on but at the same time there's there is a lot of value in setting goals no matter how large or small those goals may be, so if that's the the step you want to take this season, uh, because it, you know you you realize like, well, I know I'm not gonna win, you know, best in ITC, but maybe I can win best in ITC in my region. Um, I think that can be a really good way to set a measurable goal for
0: yourself. Hmm.
1: Up, uh, Brandon
0: Sky. I'll weigh in on that. So, I actually like the regional thing. If you're just starting out in competitive and you've really never gone outside of an RTT, having a regional goal is a great way to dip your feet into being more competitive and say, Mm -hmm. look, in my specific part of wherever I live in the world, I want to see how I stack up compared to the locals. And um, I think that's great. I am not going to knock anyone who wants to go for those so-called minor awards. Um, If it helps them to play better, great. Otherwise, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, I'll say that none of these awards matter much. It's just nerds handing out trophies to each other for playing <laughs> with toys. So, if it makes you feel good, great. If it doesn't, then don't care about it. Don't worry about it.
2: I'll uh, jump in here and say, I think they're very important. Um, not necessarily being like you can be like, "Hey, I was the best," you know, the best uh, player of this faction in a region. But it's also a fantastic stepping stone and measurement. If you are a goal setter and you're, you're like a, goal, a, a go-getter and you've just started in competitive 40K and you're like, hey, one day I'm gonna be at the top, at LVO, top table, fighting for the top spot. You know, a lot of the times it takes a while to get there and you have to have measurements along the way. You know, when, when I was doing like door-to-door sales back in the day, You know, if you wanted to be the best sales guy in all of Canada, for example, you didn't try and just quick, like become the best sales guy in all of Canada. You became the best salesperson you could be first. Then you kind of measured yourself against the crew around you and became the best one in your like region. Then you became the best one in like within a couple of reasons and you became the best national one. And then you kind of work towards trying to be the best global one. So you know, having that step measuring step and that stepping stone and being able to sort of measure yourself, I think that's great. Right. It also means that if you can't just shell out all the cash to go to all these different events you know that could be like your personal everest you know if i can't go to nova and i can't go to lvo and i can't go to adepticon or all these big events where all these like massive number of players go but hey i can go to my local like tournaments and and just showcase my skill set within the parameters of what i'm able to do at the moment
1: hmm. well said <clears throat> uh, I, i've personally given this a lot of thought uh, I think I think people, one thing I've learned about uh, 40k and prize support in particular, which is a subject that always gets brought up, is that in general, 40k players don't care about prize support. Uh, it is something nice. It is something that if you give bad prize support away, uh, you, it will get noticed. However, if uh, you don't give out any prize support and you give out accolades and things, bragging rights things, things that people care about, it is very much more valuable uh, because of how social. I, I because I theorize because of how social 40k is, specifically competitive 40k. So I, I would like to see uh, something, something like, uh, and this is going to sound silly, but like something like uh, do you get on forums, like a forum banner, uh, which I know we don't have any forums. I suppose we could just create something for your Daka Daka account. I don't know, <laughs> um, but uh, jo- joking aside. That's, I think, that's the next, I think, logical step is, is some sort of online thing or something that people can kind of show off or point to. Uh, and whether that's implemented through like another app, like, uh, like BCP or Down Under Pairings or whatever other TO apps or other apps that people create in the future or a uh, website or a forum or Facebook or I don't know where, wherever that's implemented, however that's implemented um, I think that's the next logical step and I think that that would be where I would focus my time on hmm. Alright uh, Paul Yunson, uh, how do you guys deal with early disappointment in events? This is a good question I maintain that I will be 4-1 in a lot more events but I almost always seem to come up against a top 5 finisher in round 1 and proceed to get destroyed I then go on to have 3 crushing wins and then a loss at the end uh, losing the first game always sets the tone of the event for me, and I could never pull myself out of that swamp of annoyance. Paul, actually, I had a streak, about a two-year streak, um, when I started playing 40k. Of every GT or major I attended, I lost the first round. It became a running, running joke. Uh, Frankie and Jeff and my, my buddy James would uh, constantly uh, you know, make fun of me. I'd be like, I lost round one. Um, And then I usually ended up doing pretty well. Usually I posted out some winning records. Um, It was just, I always lost the first round of the event for whatever reason. Um, So I feel you, Uh, how I personally dealt with it was I usually gave myself one, one loss. And then after one loss, uh, if I got two losses, um, I would, I would try to leave the event or drop out of the event early and then just go and have some fun with my buddies and just have a good time. And so uh, there was pressure uh, to win, but I didn't take the one loss as something that uh, that was awful. That was that I had to that was crushing for me uh, because I very much come from a magic background uh, where <coughs> use terms like X and two, meaning that you get X amount of wins and two losses, uh, where l- one loss doesn't bury you or doesn't show doesn't show your, um, your st- you know, that you're a bad player or tell you that you're a bad player. It just means that you lost once uh, due to luck, due to um, maybe your own personal setbacks or a uh, mistake on your part. Uh, and then what I cared about or focused on was my overall record at events. So I would do blocks of uh, three months and then compare my record at those, uh, at those events. And then that's kind of how I determined what I would do because you don't play enough rounds in 40k for it to... For, for it to I think truly af- affect you um, just by looking at one tournament
0: But um, I yeah. will say I think this is a great episode topic all on its own um, I yes. will say that mm-hmm. last year at SoCal Open uh, my first round I lost and this was at an event that I'd won the two previous years but I ended up going 5-1 and one. so I know very well how to take that first loss and keep going strong um, and it really is the mental game uh, that you have to win before you can really go far on the tabletop. So, honestly, we could do an entire episode where I break down how you develop that mentality and practice having the mentality that says, yes, I've lost, but I'm going to keep doing the best I can, and here's why.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. And we we've the only episode we've covered so far that comes close to the topic is uh, we do have an episode on dealing with tilt. Uh, that is I think a couple years I think it's like a year and a half old now so we might have to do an update on that too but it's a really really good episode Um, I had to believe Brandon and Jeff were on it too Um, mm -hmm. so if if you're looking for some 40k chapter tactics nostalgia uh, it was very much vintage Jeff and Brandon we just talked about Tilt it was a really good
0: episode No, I will say it's key to being an uh, insanely good player at this game is to take everything in stride and developing the mentality is not easy and takes practice and it's not going to happen right away
2: super important yeah super super super. like i cannot stress what you just said enough
0: yeah we
3: we honestly could do a whole episode on it pretty easily because it is probably the most underrated and under discussed skill is the ability to take not bad luck and and mistakes but also even like full-on game losses in stride
1: just uh, just typing in my show notes, mm-hmm. just typing in the notes, uh, <laughs> writing it down. Good episode ideas should always be logged and used later. Okay, oh. uh, patron Nick yeah. want, has a funny kind of statement, not a question. Um, <laughs> he played over twice as many games in the US instead of his home country Ireland in the last year. So uh, it, um, his goal is to play more games in his own country or continent instead of out in the US um, that that's actually really interesting I, I'm really glad that someone has has this kind of a, a quote unquote problem um, it, it's definitely it's definitely uh, cool to travel to other events I think the US right now is is um, in my opinion a bit of a mecca for competitive 40k uh, with the exception of some events outside of the US. Um, but, you know, we have the Las Vegas Open, we have Nova, we have Adepticon, all three big events that, uh, f- for different reasons, are very, very worth going to and definitely worth traveling to and uh, taking the time to go to them. Um, so, it, yeah, uh, I think I think that's a very good problem to have, is that people are going to more events out of their country than in their country. Um <clears throat> uh Neil, who, by the way, is an amazing snooker player, uh, patron Neil, um, goals differ from player to player as soon as some people can play several games a week and play and play in two to three GTs a month. Uh, the one goal I think all players should have is being better at 40k as being a better 40k player they were than the year before with what time they have for the hobby. Um, and then he breaks down being more efficient, like listening to podcasts uh, and clinics and uh, watching tournaments on Twitch. And uh, Neil is very much someone who, who is absolutely phenomenal at his, his chosen sport, which is, which is not 40k. And I, I know he probably doesn't have a lot of time to play 40k, however, he's a pretty good 40k player too. And so that's some great advice from a, a professional in another game or in another sport um is to efficient be efficient with your time and and kind of immerse yourself in not just playing it if you don't have time to play it but also all of the podcasts and everything else too so that's actually a good goal to set for yourself as well as listen to more chapter tactics maybe sign up for a, a patreon month or two on chapter tactics or, or the art of war which is probably your better option if you want to get better at the game uh but also you know just immerse yourself more get into facebook groups uh try and uh reach out to players really good players in your area uh try and open up conversations join a team um i know a lot of really know a lot of players on relentless d which is the team that brandon and i are on um have really blossomed uh just by doing this nick for instance uh, nick just won a gt this weekend so congratulations nick if you're listening to this uh and, uh, you know, just last year, he, he wasn't playing as much 40k. And, you know, now look at him, he's won a GT, did really well at the LBO. Um, and so just, uh, you know, keep that in mind that there's different ways to get better other than just playing. Although, if you have the choice of playing in tournaments is, I think, the fastest and best way to get better at 40k. Uh, but if you don't have the time, definitely listen to a ton of content.
2: And you can, and that's the key, you can kind of do it at your own pace as well, right? Mm-hmm. Depending on what your goals are. Absolutely.
1: <clears throat> uh, Tim wants to know if one of my goals is to personally beat the Brandon Grant in three straight matches. Um, That's not going to happen. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I don't play Brandon enough, unfortunately. Yeah, I think- we
0: just discussed that you're going back onto the the back side of 40k rather than the table side so
1: yeah I, although you know what Brandon I would love to play you three times in a row and see if I could win one That that's a good goal
0: oh, we'd have Maybe to switch it up that'd be fun
1: yeah <laughs> uh, okay uh, <clears throat> Sebastian's is to be less of a moron that's that's a, always good to have that's just a good new year's resolution how do you measure that though Uh, you know Scary, if you have to ask you're
2: just not capable of it. <laughs> see, because when you set goals, folks, you want to make sure they're smart goals, specific, attainable, right? Realistic against the time frame and, uh, and measurable. It's mm-hmm. one of the main things about setting goals is you have to be able to measure that goal. How do you measure something so esoteric? Uh,
1: you know, I, I, will, I, will t- I will take a s- stab at it, Skari, by saying <laughs> this one simple trick. Uh, the next time you see an argument on Facebook or online, that you disagree with just close the tab <laughs> that's that's small, small the small 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 feed that, into the internet troll <laughs> just that small action will, will, will make you I, I in my opinion a little bit less of a moron anyways um uh, obviously if you argue oh, online i'm not yeah. calling you a moron however um <clears throat> thought i'd be a funny little joke there all right next question dan finished painting my army to include the sitting on a shelf units and make it to two majors one being a super major that is a great goal to have dan uh finishing painting your army is i think more important this year now than ever uh that is not a tip a pro tip uh that is just times are changing you know gone are the days where you had 21 different scat bikes with different paint schemes borrowed from other people that you could put on a table with your unpainted, baseless wave serpents and then win and be considered the champion. It's very much, uh, we're focusing more on. On the painting side and the aesthetic side as well, uh, which even though as much as I hate painting, I absolutely agree with, uh, if we want to be taken seriously, we need to look, we need to do our best as a community to look serious and look professional. And that includes having uniform painted armies. So paint your armies. Um, <clears throat> okay, uh, page from Nick wants to know, I think it's an important topic of discussion regarding how you track progress for your goals. My goal is to maximize my ITC scores for Blood Angels. Uh, I have a, He has a spreadsheet that tracks his games so he can review matchups. Um, and it's uh, he also has 40keystats.com as a link <laughs> to uh, a good, helpful website that we can use for a personal set of data. So um, go to 40keystats.com, take a leaf out of Nick's book, and... do well okay uh in for uh in in terms of i guess this is a question for the three of you that that i i didn't ask but i want to do i just forgot is uh for the maximizing your goal maximizing the number of events you go to how important is that to you is the to you personally um do you think that if you didn't matt like this year i know the max got bumped up so now I think you need more events to, to max out your score, or more events count at least. Um, how important is it to you three to max out your scores for the season?
3: Max out meaning?
1: Uh, meaning you, I'm sorry. Uh, so what the ITC's with the ranking, you get tracked up to a certain amount of games, of tournaments that you attend. In this case, it's the, for this year, I believe it's six now. It got bumped up by oh, one. Okay. Yeah. And so <clears throat> what we mean by maxing out your scores is you can't you can't get the max the highest number of points you can by having 5 out of 6 events played. So at the end of the year every because your sixth event that would normally be tracked is zero because you never played in that event, you'll always be at a disadvantage to people who have played six actual events. And so the goal is, is to get to six events and that maximizes the amount of points you score. Because obviously, even if you, even if you get 100th place at that final sixth event, you'll, and you get only 10 ITC points, 10 ITC points is still more than zero ITC points. Um, so if you think about it like that, uh, you're trying to maximize the amount of points you get. So you need to attend at least the minimum number of events to do that. And then from there, you start getting into the nitty gritty of uh, Richard Siegler, you know, winning an event in December and then going a bunch of vessel by a couple points because of how big that event was or whatever, all that stuff. There's a, there's a whole group of people dedicated to, to uh, trying to do make the top 10 at ITC, uh, which is also another good episode idea that I'll write down. However, uh, Nick wants to maximize his ITC scores for Blood Angels, uh, which is smart. Uh, doing it for faction, uh, factions is, is very critical because you might want to play a different faction. You might, you might not want to play Blood Angels the entire year. And so what you can do is you can aim to get six events with Blood Angels and then switch to another faction. And then as mm. the season progresses after that, you go back to Blood Angels as needed. So, perfect example is uh, one player who was trying to shoot for best Necrons. They played six Necrons early and then they switched over to Space Marines when the Space Marine craze hit. However, when uh, SoCalipan came rolling around, they switched back to Necrons because they had been passed by some really good Necron players. Uh, They ultimately didn't win best Necrons because they didn't do very well at LVO. However, uh, they were trying to maximize their points by uh, and also not being bored by just playing Necrons the entire year. So that is uh, another good goal to have. Uh, Skarier, or Brandon, do you have anything else to add to that? I think you hit the nail on the head. agree. All right. Uh, Pat- Patron Carver, uh, has uh, his goal is to start truly participating in competitive 40k with his Salamanders. What are some units that we would suggest would go good with Salamander stratagems? So we have uh, a player who's who very much uh newer into the season or once or newer to salamanders at least um what do we what I, what do we suggest for them unit wise
2: i think uh the salamander traits go very well with stuff that's like um uh just units in general that have like low number of like good shots so things mm-hmm. have like one multi gun here and one flamer there, or one like one to hit, one to wound roll that you're kind of relying on. So mm-hmm. small MSU units that have like a melt gun in them or rocket launcher. Something else that I've really found fun with sal- salamanders are um, like hunter killer missiles and things like that on vehicles. Oh, not, yeah, because okay. you get that hit and that wound roll. So it just makes like your one shot weapons uh, a lot more efficient. And the curse of the melt gun is not as prevalent.
3: Yeah, and you also can kind of try and like leverage some of their their strategies and characters to some degree with that same stuff um you know obviously they can make really good use of like flamestorm aggressors and and some of the other things like that uh so i think there are a couple of different ways you can build them but the the msu approach is probably a very good starting point
1: uh yeah i i I agree uh brandon actually you probably have some smarter stuff to say about this. Well, I'd say
0: that you're still Space Marines, so it's easy to make a Chapter Master slash Lieutenant Death Ball where you have this army, th- th- these buffing characters who are making all of your units near them really, really good. But of course, if you do that, you can't really cover the table with units. So Salamanders can cover the table with units and still be somewhat efficient while doing it. So... <laughs> You can go for a mixed style or you can go for pure MSU and say, look, I'm not even going to bother with characters and buffing. I'm just going to cover the board in small units that have really significant attacks like meltaguns, and maybe some flamers and uh, control the board that way. So rather than creating a firebase, you can create more of a board control style.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with Brandon. <clears throat> I also think that if you're creating a Salamander's Army, uh, they are one of the more underpowered supplements so uh, I would buy Evergreen, Vanilla, Space Marines. that are good in all of the chapters. So uh, Thunderfire Cannons, if you can get your hands on them, they're pretty hard to find right now. Uh, Thunderfire Cannons, Intercessors are really good. Characters uh, with jump packs, characters, magnetized characters as well. Um, <clears throat> stay away from Forge World Dreadnoughts in general. Um, I think, I think uh, they've got a big bullseye on their back, at least until after the FAQ if they don't get nerfed. Um, but yeah, I stick to kind of what all the space Marine lists are running, which, which is intercessors and thunderfire cannons, some eliminators, which I, th- I think are actually pretty good with salamanders. And, and I think you will do just fine. Okay. Uh, Steven's goal is to just attend six events to max out a score. And then how he does is irrelevant. I love that simple man. Just go to six events and then see where the chips lie. Uh, uh, Caleb wants to attend at least five events, uh, not necessarily ITC. And that's actually another important thing too, is we, we're obviously, we're a more ITC focused podcast, uh, being a part of the Frontline Gaming Network, which does run the ITC. However, if there are non-ITC events in your area too, if you if you live out it, anywhere, anywhere there's non-ITC events, just go to them anyways. Uh, you know, even if it's just GW book missions at your local mm-hmm. store, uh, it, I think it's more important that people play games with 40k with their communities than they do specifically in the ITC. Right? Uh, yeah. The ITC will always be around. Uh, there will always be people to play it. And so, just uh, if you can, go, go to non-ITC events if that's all you have available. Uh, Sean, did you have anything else to add to that?
3: I was just going to say, like... I consider the IGC to be one of the better formats. I don't strictly think it is necessarily the the king of formats, but it is obviously um, improved over many of the others in a lot of ways. Um, But with that said, that doesn't mean you can't get anything out of those other games, um, both in terms of general play skill and in in terms of improving your ability to play ITC specifically, uh, if that's what you're worried about. So, yeah, go to tournaments whether they're ITC or not.
1: Uh Yeah. <clears throat> uh, patron Josh actually has, um, unfortunately, not something I, c- I was prepared to answer, uh, but would be great if you could talk about some best in faction upsets from 2019. Uh, we don't really hear about who won the awards if they don't have a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then, unless you went to the LVO, I actually think a coverage breakdown post LVO or, or post events is something that I, I want to focus on more. Obviously, Val and Peter did an amazing job. Uh, we all got together and we, we created the Ocho, and Val and Peter especially, and of course Paul and Adam <laughs> from uh, Down Under Network. Uh, it, it was just it was a lot of fun, and I think I'd like to see a lot more of that. And uh, if you have any of those coverage ideas, I would head on over to 40kstats.com and give Val and Peter some of those suggestions, uh, because I know the narrative of 40k tournaments is something that we all like to focus on as well. Uh, all right, next question, Patron Donald. Uh, no goals except to attend more events. Uh, Dan wants to try to be uh, wants to try competitive 40k. Um, he's played a lot of Garage Hammer, and so he's looking forward to stepping out of beer and pretzels games. And then um, he had a question for us. And if you could, if you had to play all ITC season with a subpar or bottom tier army, which one would you try to make work?
0: Oh, that's easy. The army I'm most familiar with. So if you're already doing Garage Hammer and you're having fun with beer and pretzels, bring that army into competitive, even if it is subpar, and try and find people who are really good at it and figure out what they're doing and keep practicing it. Um, As long as you're happy with the way that army plays, I feel like you can go to competitive and have a good time with any army in the game, even if you're not standing a chance of winning the event. So make sure it's the one that you like playing first, because it matches your play style or aesthetic choices or what have you.
2: Oh, I can't agree with you more, Um, Brandon. That's so important. If I were to do it, I'd probably do it with the list army I'm playing right now. Um, (laughs) Because it's super fun. And um, to be fair not only do you have to do that but i highly recommend you don't switch up your list too much try and play as similar a list as you have been used to playing as much as possible because if there's one thing that you can try and retain consistency with is your army list in a game that has so many variables if you can find a constant that is worth its weight in gold and a lot of the times that constant you find is the list that you're playing with Mm.
1: yep Oh, uh, really good advice. Um, <clears throat> and then, finally, we have Jake. I I can't pronounce that last name. I was gonna try and do it. Book. I'm gonna try and do it. Book. Uh, Bookzani. Jake. Anyways, question: How would one become more involved in the hobby track? competitions all events in my area say they report see, but i've never seen or heard about them reporting the hobby track and the first goal is he wants to learn two new painting techniques and apply them across an army to improve my hobby skills and also wants to lose less at tournaments uh, so to answer your question jake unfortunately to th- there is a learning curve with itc tos uh, in submitting those events uh, my suggestion would be to uh, talk to your to tell them hey you know, I noticed you didn't submit to the hobby track for this event. Uh, what can, what is there anything I can do to help resolve that issue, or is there any any resources I can find for you, um, or you know, could you please do it as well? And if you're a TO who's looking to submit to the hobby track, you can always email us uh, contact at frontlinegaming.org. We'll be able to help you out. Also, you can email one of those reps, the ITC regional reps, as well. And if you don't think a regional rep applies to your region, you're probably wrong. We have a regional rep for every region. Uh, you just might it just might not be apparent, um, which who your regional rep is. So,
2: there's that. yeah the list is up on the frontline gaming like website. Yes, so you can go to the like the ITC area and look up your regional rep, and encourage your TO to reach out to the regional rep because the regional rep uh, a lot of the times will be able to help out with that.
1: Oh, and then finally, uh, patron mark, last one. For all the hosts, what is more satisfying to you when it comes to faction choice? A jack-of-all-trades faction or a master of one or a specific kind of... uh, A faction that's specifically good at one thing. So, all-or-nothing factions or jack-of-all-trades factions.
0: I'd go all-or-nothing. I'd want at least one thing that I can do better with my army every game. And then a second level thing where it's like, okay, this one army does this way better than me, even, but I have this that I can fall back on. Uh if I do master of none, then my opponent's always gonna have one or two things that are significantly better than what I do, possibly all three. Um so my choices are limited. Also, if you have a master of one army, the choices you make are far more limited. So it's far easier to do it correctly. If you're doing a jack-of-all-trades list and the strategy changes significantly every game that you have to play, then it requires a lot more practice for you to master it simply because every game is going to be a different tactic from your list.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
3: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm definitely with Brandon Here is the. Um... Yeah. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, I mean, I, d- I didn't really have a lot more to add to that. But I think Brandon hit the nail pretty squarely there. If you can leverage one strength, it doesn't matter what your weaknesses are.
1: Mm.
2: And uh, something that I definitely would add to that is it's very important to understand sort of like what type of player you are. Like one of the, one of the main things that we do at The Art of War when we start coaching uh, someone is is somebody comes in and has a whole bunch of different ideas but a lot of the times it helps to just focus what type of player you are you're either a very sort of aggressive player you're a very passive type of player and a lot of the times your faction choice or something that fits your play style will be based around you know your own sort of like instinct and mentality when it gets to the table not only do you end up having a lot more fun with it but like the strategies and tactics involved with that specific army tend to make a lot more sense if they if they sort of reflect your way of playing the game, because hmm. you either want to grab thirty woven and run at someone, even though that's not the best, you know, in terms of the the meta right now. But like some people are like that, where they just like rush at the opponent, or they're like a you know a, an army that just kind of like sitting back on the board edge and just shooting people to death, right? And that can really change your your like faction pick if you haven't made it your choice yet.
1: Hmm. Well said. Uh, I disagree with all three of you. However, my <laughs> m- my opinion does not matter because the three of you are all better players than I am. So, uh, moving on to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening. You are all the best listeners in the world. If you want to catch more from Skari, Skari, where can they find you?
2: So you can find me over at The Art of War and or Skardcast on YouTube, Twitch, Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. hmm beautiful
1: sean
3: uh we're working on getting some more episodes of in the finest hour out here there's been a lot of hurdles in the past few months but hopefully by the end of february we have an episode out and available for everyone and that'll get posted to our usual podcast feed and as well as competitive 40k and whatnot Hmm.
1: he's also being modest he writes up articles for our FrontlineGaming.org, and there's some of the most read continuously for long periods of time articles on the blog. It's I'm sorry, that doesn't
3: us. ring any bells. for Front front what? front G- Frontline
1: fi- Plus or something. It's like a cat thing. I don't
3: know. Hey, oh, oh, it's one of those internet cat sites. <laughs> I know those. <laughs>
1: there you go. And then finally, uh, Brandon, where can they find you? At our Patreon... If you're interested to talk to Brandon grant <laughs> you can sign up for patreon.com slash chapter tactics he is in the facebook group and uh, does actually answer questions in there i believe you can also find brandon at uh www.robotsareinvading.com <laughs> 01001.com yeah it's a complicated binary code to get on
3: It has a uh, reverse uh, capture filter where you have to agree that you are a robot.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Now you do try not to put too much information in or you get blue screened. Absolutely. Uh, Actually, Brandon, I'm sorry. Do you have any do you have any plugs you want to add to the episode? That is a negative. Uh, Looks like uh, Brandon is muted. I'm all also. Right.
3: I'm very sad to say that robotsareinvading.com is not an actual website. I oh, just had well. to go check. Then, um,
0: Sorry, I was explaining things while muted. Uh, I don't have anything to plug at this time, but thank you, guys.
1: Fair enough. We've all left the mute button on the mic at least once. <laughs> I was talking. Mm-hmm. I just didn't realize. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and then, uh, finally, of course, you can head on to the comments section on YouTube on FrontlineGaming.org. Uh, or any of the comments on uh, Spotify and uh, the other places you can find this podcast, and let us know what your ITC 2020 season goals are. You don't have to do it here. You can go on to Signals, The Art of War, or 40k Stat Center, and just shout at them what your ITC 2020 season goals are, and when they ask, just say it was on Chapter Tactics. So, uh, listen to the Frontline Gaming Network. It is your stop for all things podcasting, and of course, as always,